0: Hello, everybody. Dave Neal here, host of The Sap Podcast. To those video people out there, this is the Patreon version of The Sap. You can watch me on patreon.com slash Dave Neal. And to the audio listeners, hello, everybody. Good to hear from you. This is a Friday afternoon episode. And get this, it is Friday, August 13th, Friday the 13th. Does weird stuff happen on a Friday, the 13th, or do we just notice that it's the 13th and then we look for weird things? How does that work? Is it like a confirmation bias, like that wacky uncle? We know the uncle's wacky, so then we look to his Facebook to do weird things. I don't know if that's what happens. But anyway, good to see and hear from all of you guys, and by seeing and hearing from you, I mean you guys are hearing from me. I hope you guys are well out there. Uh, Leave a comment on my Instagram at dneils. DM me. Let me know what's up. Any content you want me to talk about in the future. This or that. Excuse me. So, the SAP is short for Sex Actually Podcast. It has evolved when it used to be called You Up the Podcast, where we talked primarily about sex. Then dating and relationships. And now, you know, there's some philosophical chatter in the end what we are trying to do is uh, overcome a lot of life's burdens and that's what it really comes down to is we all go through life sort of self-medicating finding ways to overcome whatever demons we have ways of thinking poverty, sickness, uh, toxicity in our life. Sometimes we medicate with good ways like yoga and retreats, and sometimes we do it with pills and booze. Let me tell you something. The people that do it with pills and booze usually... Have better stories, but that's neither here nor there. We, uh, you know, we're overcoming all of life's hurdles. That's what we're doing. So today I'm going to talk about resistance, not necessarily resistance to change, but the resistance that we talk about with the war of art. You know, I've got a brother who's entering college, and I'm like, man, I wish he knew what I know now because I didn't know that when I was his age. Um, I was not. I wouldn't call myself spiritually evolved. I think that started to happen in my 20s when I started to get into entertainment because you need every prayer, wish and hope you can dream of to try to, you know, make it in a weird world that's, you know, not relying on a polished resume. It's very strange. It's a very strange community out there and I battle resistance every day. I've literally spent the last year and a half resisting finishing a screenplay i wanted to write um i have shame over that i have a pile of you know things i don't even want to look at put a blanket over them in my office i don't want to see it so we all have resistance we all have things that get in the way whether it be family and different uh you know activities or, or trying to make you know make our you know break even whatever the case might be so we'll talk about that and i'm also going to uh Tied with the Law of Divine Compensation, of course. That's Marianne Williamson's great book about um, money as it's related to abundance and where we think we belong in this or on you know, on this planet. And I have some very fascinating comments that I've received from some people. I'll share the first one with you. This is how backwards-minded people are. As you guys know, the YouTube's been doing well um, pretty much since January. January, it went up maybe 10 times what it was before that. And then February, it doubled, and then March, it doubled, and then it started to die down a little bit, but it got to a point that it was pretty wild, pretty wild, and the more abundance that came from it, the more I could just focus on making content, which has been good during a pandemic, uh, but also bad as I am trying to rekindle other loves of my life be it stand-up comedy writing and and things of the nature and what it really comes down to is not having a boss you don't get a boss so I'm not going to call this golden handcuffs because I love what I do and I love the opportunities it's providing it's literally been amazing with that said the constant reevaluation that happens when we want to get from where we are which is you know sometimes you know you're in a good place you know you might have a job that's Make, you know, I I have an aunt. Oh, I shouldn't have said she's an aunt. I know, <laughs> I know somebody that's doing really well in life. They're doing really well, but I also know they had to make some real sacrifices. And I don't mean by like running over other people, or I mean sacrificing their own hopes and dreams. I know so many stories where this has been the case, and it doesn't have to be a zero sum game. You don't always have to pursue something that isn't authentic to you in order, like selling out, they call that selling out or grifting or whatever it is. When you pursue something that might not align with, you don't have, that doesn't have to be the case. Now I've got years of experience, you know, breaking even off of bad jobs that didn't do anything to get me closer to on my spiritual journey. Um, I've had experiences, I've had breakdowns where, I remember I've told this story before but I remember being, you know, outside on a very windy day and a very cold day, which isn't that important for the story. But I remember trying, you know, you ever be, you ever outside and you're like just trying to talk on the phone and you're like in a city and you can't, you don't want to like the closest place I could have gone was a Starbucks, but then I'd be in a Starbucks on the phone trying to talk to my family. So I was just like leaning against a wall outside trying to hear my family and I was calling home and there was some, it was some special event. It was some holiday, you know and i'm on, i'm in los angeles my family's in rhode island it's you know statistically about as far away from each other on the continental united states as you're going to get and i uh you know i um i remember so one one of my family members was on the phone and somebody one of their daughters says uh, oh who is that and she goes oh it's david cuz my family calls me david i don't that's the, the only people that call me david are my family and uh And the daughter, she goes, oh, the uncle nobody knows. And then everybody laughed. (laughs) And she was, you know, six, seven years old. And, And it was a funny line. It was a funny line. But I remember being like, oh, my gosh, this is like I didn't make them feel guilty about it or whatever. But I quietly got off the phone and I was like, wow, who would have thought like a six year old's words would be the cutting words that like spiral me into a breakdown but it's because I wasn't happy with my side gig I was at I was cold hungry I was all the thing like hopeless and then and then I've sacrificed by being on the other side of the country whereas I don't even have like, a lot of my family doesn't even know me and it hurt it was tough and I don't say that because all sacrifices are worth it. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be this far away from my family. But I do say that we we all put in so many sacrifices, whether it be, you know, raising a family or providing for a partner or a parent, whatever the case may be, we put in so many sacrifices and, and, and we put so much prior priority into things that aren't our dreams. And part of that is out of necessity, like you might have a a parent who needs who needs your support or whatever the case may be but the other part of it is a resistance to really do what it is we love and in most cases you resist things that that you really want to do creatively or whatever the case may be but in most cases those things just don't pay you right away they just don't pay you right away so it's hard to wrap your head like it like if 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 i if i told you hey Stand-up comedy is going to pay you $300 an hour. As long as you're at a comedy club performing stand-up or networking, you'll get paid $300 an hour. You'd see a lot of comedians out there hustling because they'd be like, oh, I mean, it, pay- it literally pays to. Whereas the case is actually the opposite. You don't get paid until you're like the CEO of the company. But if you take someone like Kevin Hart or some of these successful comedians, if they if they boil down all the hours they put into comedy, it actually pays pretty well, you know. But of course, if you're writing a book, it might take you several years to write a book and then you might not sell it. So there's always a risk when you bet on yourself. But by betting on yourself, you you real the only loss is by not doing anything at all. So uh, so I'm gonna share with you guys, uh, if you're watching on the Patreon video, I just pulled up the, um, a a tab here for the war of art. Now the war of art is obviously a play on words to the, the art of war, but it's a very different book. It doesn't, I feel like whenever I talk about the war of art, people think I'm just messing up the, the, the art of war, you know, I'm just dyslexic, but that's not the case. The, the, the war of art is one of the simplest books that will smack your problems right onto your forehead and you can't hide from them. Have you ever quit? I'm going to read from this. Have you ever quit something probably more than once? Started a new routine and never followed through? Made a decision to make changes to your life and then went back on your word? Got an email with an opportunity and never returned it? Bought an online program? Signed up for a course and never even started it? And obsessively think about the person you might become and how you're going to get there. If your fantasy world, the person you want to become is so well defined and the road of how you're going to get there is so clear... Then you wake up and face resistance. It's very real. Resistance comes in the form of excuses. You can pick your favorite. I've got my own. Whatever your mind is telling you, all the reasons why you can't, well, that's resistance. Pressfield writes that resistance is evil, completely toxic, and is the only reason we ever experience true unhappiness. He says we need to wage war on our resistance. He starts the book by sharing the story of his daily routine. He wakes up, gets dressed, does a bunch of things, and by 10.30 a.m., he sits down at his computer and writes for about four hours. He goes on to write that it doesn't matter to him if the pages he wrote were any good, if they made sense, or whether or not he will turn them into a book. The only thing that matters is that he won out against resistance that day. Because he put in his time and showed up, which is the only way to win the war over resistance. He says, the most important thing about art is to work. Nothing else matters except sitting down every day and trying. What I heard listening to the audiobook right before I was about to share my video was that no matter what stage we are in business and in life, we will always face resistance so long as we keep putting in the time, showing up and growing. Fear is resistance. Fear is good. Like self-doubt, fear is an indicator. Fear tells us what we have to do. Remember our rule of thumb, the more scared we are of a work or calling, the more sure we can be that we have to do it. Resistance is experienced as fear. The degree of fear equates to the strength of resistance. Therefore, the more fear we feel about a specific enterprise, the more certain we can be that that enterprise is important to us and to the growth of our soul. That's why we feel so much resistance. If it meant nothing to us, there'd be no resistance. So fear is good. It's normal. It's important and necessary. Without it, you feel indifferent. The fact that you keep pushing, keep wanting to learn, and keep showing up means you're winning the war against your own resistance. If you find yourself asking uh, yourself and your friends, am I really a writer? Am I really an artist? Chances are you are. The counterfeit innovator is wildly self-confident. The real one is scared to death. When you stop waking up scared to death, that's when you know it's time to call it quits and move on to something else that you can resist doing. Hope you enjoyed. So that always hits me. And you know, speaking of the war of art and resistance, I think it's something that there is no amount of redundancy to the message here. I've, I've read this quote before. I'll read it again in the future. The ideas of being scared to death. I got a opportunity sent to me yesterday, two actually, and I haven't responded to the emails yet. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Well, I'll tell you what, I don't feel like I'm prepared for the opportunity that was given to me. I don't feel like I'm funny enough. I don't. I have all these feelings that I I think are very natural to have. So I'm not asking for a pity party. I think it's very natural for a comedian to not feel funny enough, especially in Los Angeles, where it's so hard to get stage time in, in front of viable audiences. I see these comics come out of like the Midwest or the South or the East Coast, and they they're so confident in their material, and I'm like, wait till you get to Los Angeles, where nobody cares. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that could be a limitation in and of itself that I'm like, well, in LA, it's tough. I mean, I'm sure everyone, it's tough for everyone everywhere. But, but the actual thing, you know, uh, one of my goals for this year, excuse me, (coughs) one of my goals for this year was to create content as if every day was a news day. And by doing that, I realized You know, sometimes Tosh will say, hey, if if you're so busy, why make five videos and only make three? And I go, well, sometimes it's the fourth or fifth video I make that's the one that YouTube picks up. Like yesterday, two of the videos I didn't think had any chance in hell of getting picked up. And by picked up, I mean really pipelined on the YouTube algorithm. Subscriber count doesn't matter that much. It's whether or not people want to watch your content. And... Sometimes you have the most unique video. Sometimes you ride a wave. There's different things that get a, a video picked up. Sometimes it's a slow video day and there isn't much else other content. So more people watch your content. It's really hard to describe what it is, but it's just like Pressfield says here that it's not about necessarily you're doing your best work, but it's about doing your work and understanding that that's enough. And I think part of what builds resistance is, is that perfection we have with something we love? That just desire to want to make things perfect. We'd rather not pick up the paintbrush than do something that's not going to be perfect. And that's a crippling, that's a crippling problem. And and you see a lot of you, you see that some of the successful people are just not afraid to do the work. So for me, when it comes to resistance, it's almost like I've conquered, I've conquered resistance with what pays me which is my YouTube videos this is what pays me but it's very hard when i know there aren't dollar signs attached and i also created i created a scenario here with my news channel i say that in quotes my bachelor news channel where i find stories that you know are interesting headlines and i'll find a way to rant about them through like either a comedic lens or like a life lesson lens and it doesn't mean i've got all the answers it means we're just we're discussing them and that's become Sort of a bread or breadwinner for me. I mean, it's really introduced me to. I, I mean, I have to say, millions of new people. I mean, my these videos are getting millions of impressions. With that comes people that hate me, <laughs> which I could care less about. You know, when you're not doing well, the haters have such a. They they make such a such. Uh, they make such a dent on the soul when you're not doing well and you get hate. But when you're doing well and you get hate, it's like I literally it's the same troll hate that i get but it just doesn't bother me because of all of the supportive people just dry, drowning out that noise but but either way so i struggle and maybe someone can help me here i struggle with the idea that like my bachelor content pays me it's my fu- it's my full-time job this year um i hope it sticks around i hope i i hope the algorithm continues to push me it appears um, in in a relatively safe way that that will happen. Uh, it seems that people are liking the format, and will keep trying to innovate and build and add new gear and keep keep the story as professional as possible in whatever ways I can. But but yeah, so like I said, I've gotten away from like like uh, with with my bachelor recap videos. I don't I do hardly any post production, which allows me to make more content, which allows for the most part, the people that enjoy me to just enjoy the conversation and not have to worry about all the sexy graphics. I just, I just realized that that doesn't matter to people, at least with my content. Some, some people might like other content that's airtight, three minutes long, not a wasted second. For my content, it just seems to be that the thing that works well is the, um, the going off into places with the brain, just going off into places, going on tangents left and right. I struggle with that, on stage. Because, you know, you uh, with stand-up, you have to write jokes. You have to have a setup and a punchline. And not every joke has to be a perfect setup punchline where, you know, the punchline is sort of a surprise to whatever the setup is, you know. But, but in a lot of cases, that's, you know, that's what triggers a laugh. There's different things that trigger laughs. There's rants. There's truth. There's surprise. There's plenty of different things that can trigger a laugh. But with stand-up, There is the preparation. And that's where my resistance comes in. It comes in with not wanting to sit down for two hours. Like yesterday, I had a free moment. I went to the dentist. I got two videos up by like um, 9 a.m. I went to the dentist at 10, um, or I was at the dentist by 10. So I had the videos up by 9.15, rushed across town, got to the dentist, done by 10.30. And I was like, oh, great. I don't have a live stream for five and a half hours. I'll go to Starbucks and I'll get some writing done. I go to Starbucks. I got my favorite pen. I got it right here. It's a Sharpie S gel 0.5 millimeter. So it's a fine tipped Sharpie. Oh man, are these nice pens? Um, I should buy another stack of these pens. Cause we, we keep on losing them. Pen is so good. You just lose it. People are stealing my pen. So we, so I go to Starbucks and I sit down, I crack the thing open and I write for a little bit and I don't know, i like something pulled me out of there. And I came back to I rushed back home and made another video and the video did really well and it's going to pay me really well. And it just, um, and I think, I think I know what the answer is. So I got this, um, bought these, uh, for those that are watching or if if you're listening and you're not watching, I'll show you, I got these daily planner. It's a pad of paper and they're all single sheets of paper and on it, it's a schedule with notes, a to-do list, today's focus, meals, good things that happened today. And some days I'm better at writing it all down than others, but it's so hard. It's so hard to, it's, you know, part of my, and again, I hope this doesn't come off as me venting so much as it is. I feel like everyone's got their own issues. And a lot of people, like, if you know me and my channel, you know, I make a ton of content. So the question is when, like, what, what, what am I going to do to pull back on the gravy train And put that energy and time into writing stand-up comedy. Put that energy time into other things. And it's just hard. Like to block off one hour a day. Like I can find an hour a day to write stand-up. I can. But I don't have it on this sheet of paper. So I just need to do a better job of staying really focused. And like set a timer on my table. Like, all right, you're done. Now the problem with creating content, when you're creating stuff... It doesn't always happen like that, you know, it takes longer to make a video or sometimes the internet goes down. There's always something that happens that can make it complicated. So, I guess I need to buffer in the time for those mistakes and also like if if uh working out's a priority, maybe that should be one of the first things I do in the day. So, anyway, with with my specific resistance and battle thereof, you know, I need to continue to You know, we'll put it this way. It's like we wait till January 1st to make these grand changes in life. But I think when you're battling resistance, you just have to remember that every day is a new day to succeed or fail. And maybe I need, maybe I need like a visual like calendar where I give myself a gold star for the days that I got the things accomplished that I was supposed to do. I just feel like while the Bachelor content has been life-changing in the sense that it's really been a good, um, it's been, it's been really great for my, you know, connecting with a bigger audience. Financially, it's been good. You know, Google money, you know, unless some crazy thing happens, it's like pretty, you know, the boss pays. They direct deposit once a month. Things are fine. Um, but with that said, am I holding back from a greater message I can have? Like there's plenty, there's, there's comics that every year have a new hour of stand-up material. And you go, oh my gosh, how are you able to do that? Like, it's very hard. And then you wonder, you get in your head, and I wonder, like, was I funnier several years ago? Am, what's, am I funny now? Am I not edgy enough? Like, all these questions. But as Pressfield said, if you find yourself asking, am I really a writer? Am I really an artist? Chances are you are. The counterfeit innovator is wildly self-confident. The real one is scared to death. So while I am scared to death, in some ways of my own potential or lack thereof I need to not let that be an excuse to not vouch for myself and what I look forward to and I'll say this one of the reasons why like in this last year and again I don't leave a comment I don't know maybe this is really interesting maybe this isn't I don't know maybe this is just for me but let let, let me know either way sometimes it's interesting to like really crack the, the, to open up the hood on, on life. I'll say, I'll say this. My door handle broke two days ago, the one that was already duct taped. So my car is just old. It just sits in the sun, right? So the door handles are fried. I mean, it's, it's not that old, but it's 16 years old. It's old. it's a 2004 Toyota. So the engine runs perfect. Never had a problem with it. I've had minor, I've probably put like, in total, like two thousand dollars into it in the last five years. Like in total, I've done a couple like little three, four hundred dollars things. That's it. Uh, maybe a little bit more, new tires, whatever. Couple. Either way, it's. I mean, I bought it for six grand five years ago when my other car got hit by a, by somebody and I had to get you know I had a whole like you know lawsuit over it and dealing with insurance. It took years to get the payout, which came in. But so I've been driving this car. It was the only one I could afford at the time. And I'm still driving it. The handle's falling off. I got to take, take the battery out of the hood because it gets stolen. It's been stolen four times. And I'm going, I literally could buy a car. You know, would I buy a new car cash? No. Could I? Maybe. Will I? No, that's not going to happen. I'm not buying a new car cash. But a one or two-year-old car, ten-15, dollars $15,000. Like brand, you know, a, if I were to get a two-year-old car, call it a 2019 at this point, a 2020, right? Because the 2022s are coming up. So I was to get a 2019 car for 15 grand. Um, oh my gosh, the Bluetooth head, you know, because Tasha's got like a 20. 20- 17 Prius and that still feels like a brand new car to me and I was driving her car the other day because I forget Oh, I I was driving her car because I was going to get in an oil change because she was busy And I was like, i'll take your car to get an oil change I, I like I like doing stuff like that I like just getting out of the house and giving myself a reason to go do something So i'm going to get an oil change and i'm like talking to my mom through the Bluetooth speaker system. And it's so much nicer. Like my car is a 2004. My car doesn't have that. I have one of those like $5 things that you plug into the cigarette lighter and it lets you talk through it. But it's like, it's like, you know, you get to about the clarity as if you're talking to like the space station. So I'm like, I should be treating myself to this nice car, and I'm gu- and I'm gonna do that. And the other day was a reminder as I opened the door and the handle just ripped off. Like like I said, I already had them duct taped. The handles they just rip off because they like I said they're plastic and they've been sitting in the sun for 15 years. So I feel like they all they're all gone. Literally, four out of the five handles are broken or have been replaced. I'm driving this car into the ground. Uh, like I said, it runs fine. So it's just not the sexy car. It's not the car we take. If we're, if we're going somewhere that needs valet parking, we take Tasha's car. But, you know, like, w- you know, it, so whenever, whenever the, it needs, it's going to need like a serious, like when the transmission goes on it, new car time. Um, point of all that is, is that like I've put myself in a scenario this year, ev- you know, even during the pandemic, which has been, which was really rough the first half of the pandemic. But now the second half, I've done very well for myself. Things have been going very, very well financially. Um, It's given me the chance to not only get out of the deep end, but get out of the water altogether and start looking at how I can build a dock in a boat. Not, you know, metaphorically speaking, a dock in a boat. How I can take the next step, invest money in my business to grow things, whether it be a new studio or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it wants to be. But right now, with the old car... In my little green screen wall here and my studio setup, I'm kind of just um, making the money. I'm kind of just making the content, doing all that, waiting for the next sign for what the big thing is that I need. You know, when we traveled to Belize a few weeks ago, I was able to get a very nice camera so that as we tell our story, we can do it with, like, the highest production level. I think that's the next step when, when you start to, like do well. It's like, all right, how do we get to the highest production level? And the car will be the same thing. How do I get from point A to B feeling my best self with good music? And it sounds so silly to say, but it's like, how do I get, what can I do to get my energy to the highest level frequency? And you start asking yourself those questions. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the saying more, more money, more problems, but I think that they're not problems so much as better ways to tell your story. Um, and maybe one of those involves hiring someone. I'm not doing it now, but maybe in the future where I hire someone that can help me be more efficient with the work I do on YouTube so I'm able to free up time to do other things. As of right now, I think a lot of what makes my channel unique as opposed to a lot of the like very produced YouTube bachelor channels out there is that I do it all by myself. I think that's what makes it unique in the sense that I talk to the audience. We live stream my connection with you guys. We couldn't be tighter, right? I love that. I don't want to get rid of that, but you know, there might come a day where I only need to make one or two videos a day. I'm done by 10 a.m. And then I can just compartmentalize and do something else. But as we know, breaking news stories comes out. There's always something kind of going on. So I kind of keep my foot to the pedal, but anyway, The point point of all of this is that I have let myself down in other creative ways and that has been the sacrifice that I've made. And the way I've looked at it is by building an audience, by building a following, by building a little bit of a savings, they're all, it's all equity that I'm building into a greater thing, which is can I get butts to come to a stand-up show to see me perform? And that'll be the true test. Like the hardest part, of doing stand up is getting stage time. And the hardest way of getting stage time is, you know, there's producers and people out there, they're gonna put people on stage that can pack seats. So a lot of what I've been doing this year sort of solves that problem in that I'm gonna be continuing to be able to get a draw to have people see me perform, you know, having done stand up for 10 years, um in the stand up world, I'm still considered like a sophomore or junior sophomore. I'd say a sophomore. If we're going to go with the freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, I'm a sophomore. Freshman is everyone the first 8 years of your comedy. You're just new. It sounds crazy to say, it's just a slow moving muscle in the brain. You know, it doesn't mean you don't have success early on. It just means it's a long it's a long road. It's like learning piano. It's just a long slow road. A lot of time spent. So, I have a long way to go. I feel good setting myself up financially for like that journey, but I need to also remember as in some ways the pandemic's coming to a close. I know I'm speaking too soon. There's still a lot of shutdowns happening and who knows, but in a lot of ways people are getting vaccinated and getting back out there. Now it comes down to How do I fight the resistance that I've been fighting to get out of the studio and go do the thing I'm meant to do, even if 95% of the time it's not paying a penny? And, and it's not that I don't want to do it. It's not that I, it's not that it's, it's my love. Like, like, like Pressfield says, if you love something you're going to have resistance about wanting to do it because you're going to do it perfect and it will never be a good time. And I'm at that place now where the ball, the ball doesn't feel like it's moving. It feels like I'm pushing it and I can't feel any, anything happening whatsoever. Which is crazy to say because there's a million comics out there that are looking at me and my position and are so envious of what I'm doing. And I get it. Gratitude, 100%. But can we make things more efficient? That's the question we always ask and that's how we evolve. Now, I wanted to bury 30 minutes in before I say this in case, uh, you know, I might, I might, I might get some haters from this because I'm going to share two different. I'm going to share two different things people said to me this week that are ridiculous. Okay, I'm not going to say their names, so if they're listening, don't take offense to this. I'm just using you as like a spike on the head. The first was someone who said it would be nice if I made less content. That way I could reply to more people's comments, which is a very selfish way to, to think. Like maybe they weren't thinking about the fact that like you make money on the videos. So like the more content you make, the more, the more revenue you make. And I look at it as someone saying like, hey, stop providing for your family and help me out, which is very selfish because I, I know that's not exactly what they're saying, but that's what I hear when someone says like, oh, do less so you can give me more. It's like, aren't you getting enough? I'm making this for free. And then the other thing is, and this is wild. I'm going to pull it up too. I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read this for you guys. And I, I, this is, this is so much why I love the Patreon because what I'm about to share with you guys is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There's somebody who gives me a lot of praise. They give me a lot of praise on uh, email. They send me personal emails with a lot of praise but they also send me things that are just ridiculous, which is like way more like it's somebody I don't know at all. And again, I appreciate it. And if they, if they listen to this, they're going to be like, I think they're going to be crushed, but also they pissed me off so much yesterday. And I'm, I'm just looking for the, uh, I'm going to look for the, uh, the email right now. Um, I just found it. So I'm sharing this with you guys. The video version of this is my Patreon. So, This was what he said. Uh, They said the first statement, I've been watching your content and I love your thinking. I'm getting little tweaks in your vibe that I find ever so slightly off-putting. The Patreon channel is what bothers me most because it's really annoying when artists try to move everybody to a paid platform. Instagram is bad enough because you're forcing followers to attach themselves to you in many places for which you simply do not differentiate the content enough. You can't to make it worthwhile. It's just more Dave and Tasha being Dave and Tasha. The net effect is to shortchange each of the platforms in the name of reach and money in such a way that it weakens your brand. Be careful, man. Remember the tor- tortoise. And I had such a visceral reaction to this because essentially this is someone telling me, because you know, if you averaged out the amount I talk about Patreon on my free YouTube channel, I would say it's, four seconds of video. Hey, check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Neal for premium content. It's done. I'll tease things, you know, whatever, but it's all within the free content. And then I, and I understand. So if this person's listening and if anyone else out there has similar criticisms, I have to say, I sort of understand where you're coming from, but how dare somebody message me with like in the veil of advice where you're telling me, you know, Patreon right now is $1,100 a month. That adds up. That's over $15,000 a year. Am I doing the math right? Maybe it's a little less. Point is, that's not chump change. And I value every single Patreon member. And I do give the Patreon something more like this email that I can't give the non-Patreon people. And while we have different price tiers, you all get the content. Everyone gets the content, and it's depending on whatever you feel like you should give. Now, I've battled my whole life with the idea of money being toxic, and I don't think this was ever something that my mom did on purpose, but you know, being raised by a single mom, it was very rare to have a night out of food. I would feel guilty if she spent money on me. It wasn't her doing so much as it just was a product of the times everything we ate was generic. So now like I I was joking around, but the other day I bought glad press the, uh, uh, saran wrap. And of course someone emailed me and said, yeah, wait, it's bad for the environment. It's like, all right, you know, let's worry more about private jets than me getting a plastic wrap. But the point was, I was like, instead of the $3 and 50 cent, you know, generic brand, I bought the $4 and 10 cent. Like I literally, I literally had this moment like, Oh, I'm killing it. I'm getting that name brand, you know, uh, Plastic wrap, like life is good. And it makes a little bit of a difference to have something that's name brand. Anyway, point being like the idea that we have that money's the root of all evil and like that I'm off-putting to people. He said, I'm getting little tweaks in your vibe that I find ever so slightly off-putting. I mean, I don't know, is gall the right term to think that someone would ever say this? I truly believe when when I share stuff like this, my you know, the comment section here goes through the roof because you've got, you've seen this in the past, like stuff I don't put on blast to the public, but because like, I know this person means well, but they're literally the gall. Like, do you think I put something in the premium section just for shits and giggles? No, it's a, it's an added revenue stream. God forbid the day bachelor gets canceled. Uh, you know, I still, whatever the case may be. So I bring up the law of divine compensation. And this is the book, and again, I don't get anything out of this. I don't have a swipe up link for this, but it's the book that's been changing my life. The Law of Divine Compensation on work, money, and miracles. Think of your work life not as separate from your spiritual life, but as central to your spiritual life. Whatever your business, it is your ministry. Now, as a stand-up comedian, the worst thing you can do um, is to break the fourth wall and talk about like, well, my art is this, my art is that. Stand-up's supposed to be like in every man. It's supposed to be like I'm one of the people. And I am. But it's supposed to be very much like like the idea, like we're all hanging out and I just picked up a microphone and I'm going to talk to you. It's supposed to feel that way. Um, but when you talk about wanting to change the energy of the room, when you talk about wanting to bring positive change and in positive energy to people, that's a, that's a result of just making people laugh. So while you don't have to think about the grandiose uh, aspects of, of stand up or even at my bachelor channel, trying to make people laugh or share social topics when you don't want, you don't have to always think about the big picture, but the big picture is there. So for people that are doing well in life and they enjoy my message and my story, and if they want to spend five, eight, 12, 50 or a hundred dollars a month, uh, whatever they want to spend, if they want to, if they want to put that money into my pocket in exchange for the goods and services I'm providing them, then so be it. And in, in damned if somebody has a problem with that. And again, I could have dropped it. I responded to the person as kind of you're taught to do. I think I said I responded kind of saying, "Could you elaborate um, on 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 how I'm off-putting?" And um, and he did elaborate a little bit. But I think when you ask somebody to elaborate, that's a good thing to do. It's like, look. Before I get this completely wrong, tell me exactly what you're saying. He said, be careful trying to force people to pay for what you're giving them now for free, which, of course, (laughs) I know you guys are listening going, what the hell is he talking about? You don't force anything. You know, I'm I'm the opposite. I'm like, listen, you don't have to do it. If no one wants to pay Patreon, I have it for free on the audio, this and that. He said, you've got your bachelor content on YouTube, and that's where I think it belongs, that becomes your hook for everything else. So he did get a little bit more into the weeds of his his rationale, but it's like, in a, uh, but it's like golly. Anyway, I didn't, I, I'm not sharing this. I'm not sharing this to put his head on a spike. I'm not sharing their name. So you don't know anything about this person whatsoever. It's just some random person that sends me nice messages. They're relatively, um, I think, I think they're relative. Oh shoot, I'm sharing it right now. I'm such an idiot. Uh, I'm going to have to block that out. Ah, oh, damn it. I just realized I've been sharing that this whole time on my live stream. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to block that. The point is, um, damn it. That's just going to add 10 more minutes of editing. So the point is, is that, um, uh, maybe it won't be too bad. The point is, is that uh, I, I'm, I'm sharing it just to say, there's people that are going to be out there that that you don't fit into their mold. They're not going to believe in what you want to do. And they're not going to quite understand it. And sometimes it's good to listen to people's advice. Sometimes it's good to like hear what they have to say. And sometimes it's good to dismiss it. And for me, the Patreon, it's it's it is experimental. The Patreon is a place where I try different things and share things I wouldn't normally share. It it's become an outlet where I can live stream like the real ins and outs of what's going on behind the scenes. Like I can't share everything with you guys, but I share a whole lot more here. And again, if someone wanted to rip it off and post it on Reddit, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It's, it's, it's not like I'm sharing like uh, where the bodies are buried here. I'm just sharing things that I just wouldn't feel comfortable sharing, um, you know, on the YouTube channel. And, and again, you guys have earned that by, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the closer uh, relation we've all got here. So, for the law of divine compensation, the sort of like um, big the the main clip here uh, on the website is one of the most positive transitions you can make is from viewing your work as a job to viewing it as a calling. A A job is an exchange of energy in which you do a material task and someone provides money in exchange. A calling, however, is an organic field of energy that emerges from the deepest aspects of who you are. It is the fulfillment of what God has created you to be and do. Approaching your work as a job versus approaching it as a calling makes all the difference in whether or not you dwell in the miraculous universe. You have a calling simply because you are alive. You have a calling because you are a child of God. You have a calling because you're on the earth with a divine purpose to rise to the level of your highest creative possibility, expressing all that you are intellectually, emotionally, psychologically, and physically in order to make the universe a more beautiful place. As you do this, your entire life becomes your ministry, a way to serve God and to serve the world. If the word God freaks you out, replace it with universe, replace it with divine connection, replace it with whatever it is you want. But some of the best creators out there just create. And what I've, like I said, what I've been lucky enough to do is make some money with this that it has freed up myself. Like I don't have the 40 hours a week of the side job, but what I have now is the main job, and I need to make it work in with all of my other creative pursuits. I share this with all of you just as a case study for what I'm going through. And I also share this, so please don't mistake what I'm saying, with the utmost gratitude for what I do now. I mentioned this on other live streams. Um, There's plenty. There There are bachelor producers and different. There's nobody that can afford to take me away from my YouTube channel. It would have to be, it would literally have to be like someone offering me millions of dollars because the great the thing that's greater than money is the connection and in the end in today's world we call that your newsletter like how much how many how many people do you have on your newsletter and the, and the, the idea with that is like how many people can you connect with how big's your following. So whatever it is you make going forward, how many people are going to support you? That's something we're already building. We're getting that going. I know a lot of people in the audience have shared with me their creative goals, whether it's writing a book, starting a blog, starting their own YouTube, or whatever the case may be. Take Marianne Williamson's advice. A job is an exchange of energy. A calling is an organic field of energy. And I have to say, YouTube itself can be kind of fickle. You need good lighting. You need good sound. You need these little things that help the algorithm, but a good message. And the reason I think my channel has been successful and, and has all of your support is that we don't edit things. We don't whittle away what we are. We just show up and we do the work. And I wish that for you guys so, so much. So I want to thank everyone who stuck around for the audio version. I know the podcast has been in sort of. Um, I feel like the podcast—it's like a terminal at an airport that's getting renovated. Like it's still functional, it still works, but it's got delays. There's got you know there's uh it's not as aesthetically pleasing, but um I appreciate everyone who stuck around at, at, during this transition as I sort of figure out what the heck the podcast is going to be moving forward uh, because it's always going to be evolving and and maybe I'll start a different one. But I think the one where I talk to you guys. One on one is the one that provides us the biggest connection and it provides us the biggest motivation because I'm using my story as a case study. And I hope you guys aren't too deathly bored by that. So if you don't have the book already, the law of divine compensation, and if you don't have the book already, the war of art, I can't keep track of mine. I'm always giving them to people. I feel like the need to give these to my younger brother, but I also understand that sometimes giving someone a book, like sometimes that can be the miracle, but sometimes they got to find the book. And every brother is starting in college, in art school, and he's never once asked me for any advice on like, pursuing art as a job and I get it. He's going to be a freshman, but it's also like, I can't wait for the day that he calls me up and he wants advice and I can turn on the live stream and just have it be a, you know, in it privately and just me and him zoom or meet in person and really talk about what all the things are that can like, that can, um, you know, cause I think, I think we can go through life learning a ton of lessons, but we can also learn lessons from others. And the quickest path to success is, either learning lessons quickly or learning them from others and not repeating mistakes, especially when they're like universal mistakes. And the universal mistake with regards to procrastination is... Resistance. That's a universal mistake. The quicker you can label it and really get mad at it and go, this mother effer right here is is toxic and it's slowing me down. And damned if I'm going to let this part of my ego, this resistance that lurks in the back of my brain telling me I'm not good enough, telling me my time is better spent somewhere else, telling me I got to go do the laundry or the dishes or clean the bedroom before I work on it. Damned if that's going to get in the way of me today pursuing my dreams. Tell that, tell that toxic soul that exists in all of us to go take a hike, guys. You're stronger than that. And let's not be too hard on ourselves when we don't win the day. But every day is a new battle. And the more days we can stream together where we are pursuing our dreams, our goals, the better we will leave the keys to whoever is in control of this ship when our time has passed. Let me know what you guys think about all of this. Thank you so much to the Patreon members for all of your support. Thank you so much to the audio listeners for all of your support and dedication. And especially thank you to the people that emailed me trying to tell me how to do things because I do respect what you're saying. I just think that sometimes you got to crack an egg to make an omelet and it's better that I explain these things to others than to always heed your advice. But I do understand where people are coming from that they want what's best. And part of the battle that I have is all the different people that see me as something else. And that want to kind of like put me in a different direction than where it's going to be going. But I know that everyone means well and they're trying their best with the information they have. All right. That's the episode. Everyone have a good weekend. DM me on Instagram at dnails if you want to chat. And I'll see you guys later. Bye everybody.